Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Today, as I stated a moment ago, we are just neck deep into an incredible series that we're calling More Than a Story. I'm going to challenge you in this series to be as present as possible. Now, what do I mean by that? Not only am I talking about being present in person, but how many of you know, sometimes we can be guilty of being present physically, but we're absent in attention, right? Come on, anybody, anybody like that? There are some of you guys, I know how we function. We have this box that we call the nothing box. You don't realize you have it, but you have this box you call the nothing box. And there are moments in your life when you will suddenly go to this nothing box and your wife will say things like this, hey, what are you thinking about? And you'll say, nothing. And she'll look at you and she'll go, no, seriously, you're thinking about something. What are you thinking about? And truth be told, you're flatlining, right? I'm going to challenge you in this series. Don't flatline. But be active, be, be open, be present, allow God to speak into your life because I really believe that when we get to the back side of this series six months from now, that you and I are going to be more enriched in the Word of God. We are going to be more in-depth in the Word of God, and we're going to have application to hold on to. So when we hear the story about Job, or we hear the story about Esther, or we hear the story about creation, there's something that we can grab a hold of. Why? Because it's truly more than a story. Today, I want to look at Genesis chapter 22. And I want you to take really good notes today. Hopefully you've either gone on to the church app or the YouVersion app and you've downloaded the digital copy or maybe you've grabbed the paper copy in the back. Those of you that are watching online, I'm going to challenge you as well. Tap in. Let God speak into you. Be active. Be Communicate in the chat all the way through this service today and really engage where you are. So here we are, Genesis chapter 22. Here we find a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham has received a promise from God. He had asked God for a child and, and over and over um, he was pleading and, and crying out and suddenly God grants that desire and God says, I'm going to bless you with a child. But here we are in chapter 22 verse Two, and we see that this promise that is given from God quickly becomes the greatest challenge of Abraham's life. Now, you would have thought, oh, that challenge was at 75 years old when God told him to uproot his family and move to an unknown place. That was a pretty big challenge, right? Truth be told, there's a greater challenge we find in Genesis 22, verse 2. And God says this, Abraham, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, the one whom you love so much, the one that I promised to you, the one that you waited so many years to receive. Take this child, take your son, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, here's we gotta, we've got to wrap ourselves around. Isaac was a promise 
from God. Abraham was approximately 85 years old, and God promised that he would receive a son. Now, here's a couple of problems with this scenario. Abraham's 85 years old. Sarah is 75 years old. These are not prime child-bearing years. Now, how many of you senior saints today would say, hey, at 75 years old, I'd love to have another kid? My wife and I were talking about it the other day, and I, I'm embarking upon 50. I'll be 50 this year, and, and she's, what, 23? I mean, no. I'm not telling you her age. I'm a smarter guy than that. So I'm barking upon 50. And we were talking the other day about, you know, people unexpectedly finding out that they're going to have a child, a kind of a surprise child. And we were both at the same place. We would cry. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, we are so beyond that. But here, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham is, is 85 years old. Sarah is 75 years old. And God says, you're going to have a kid. The second problem is this. Sarah was barren. She was unable to have children. Nonetheless, God makes this promise to the two of them. Now, here's what's interesting. This didn't happen instantaneously, but 15 years later, Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90. And Sarah becomes pregnant. This promised son finally arrives. Abraham has waited a hundred years for this child. That's a long waiting game. Now fast forward another 15 years. Isaac is now 15 years old, and Abraham is faced with a test of faith like he had never seen before. God says, take your son. Your only son, the one that you waited a hundred years for. Take Isaac, whom you love so dearly, and sacrifice him to me. What? That just doesn't make sense. I don't know about you, but I, I can't wrap my brain around this. Why would God ask Abraham to take the very thing that he promised to him and sacrifice him? It just doesn't compute. I love what theologian Warren Wiersbe says. He says, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. What does faith look like in your life? Today, to get us rolling, I want to read just the full context of this story. I've given you kind of a, a brief synopsis of it, but I feel like when we're looking at the stories, it's vitally important that we have context to build upon. You see, we could grab a scripture and we can make it mean whatever we want it to mean. We could take it out of context, but we don't want to do that with God's word. We truly want to find out the meaning of what God is trying to speak into your life and in, into my life. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 22. And please bear with me just for a moment as I read about 14 verses to you. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. 
Now we're going to talk about that phrase, here I am, in just a few moments. So kind of mark that if you would. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Then the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire, for the burnt offering, and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, come on, look at this, three-day journey. This wasn't like, hey, we're going to deal with this right now. Let's take care of this right now. Let's do what God said right now. This was a journey of faith. Every step of the way, for three days, Abraham was seeking God. No doubt he was trusting that God was going to show up. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Hold it, what? Isn't he instructed by God to take Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him there, yet now Abraham looks to the servants and says, you all stay here. I'm going to take the boy with me. We're going to travel down a little further. We're going to worship God, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Listen to Abraham's response. God will provide. Where's the sacrifice? I understand how sacrifices have worked. I've experienced this before. We've we've had sacrifices in the past. I know what we need. We need the wood, we need the fire, and we need the sacrifice. And one of those is missing, Dad. Where's the sacrifice? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment. Come on, look at this. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thorn, in the whole, sorry, a ram caught by the horns in the thickets. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place 
Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. Abraham was faced with a challenge, a true test of his faith. As I was doing some research and I looked at this word faith, according to my study Bible, the fire Bible, it implies two things. Faith implies, number one, a trust in or a reliance on, and secondly, a loyalty to or faithfulness. Now, if we turn back to chapter 15, we see a very interesting statement. Genesis 15, verse 6 says this, And Abraham believed. Come on, look at your neighbor today and say, believed. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Believed. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, this statement is given right after God has promised Abraham a son. So here we see that Abraham was counted faithful due to his trust in, his reliance on, his loyalty to, his faithfulness toward God. But the scripture starts by saying that Abraham believed the Lord. Why is that important for us to point out Today, why do I want you to grab a hold of this idea that Abraham believed God? Certainly that's a given, right? Well, we would think, but I want you to understand what it really means before we dig in too deep. The word believe here is the original Hebrew word amon. Amon means to demonstrate trust by continually acting in obedient faith. Abraham was counted Faithful because he believed in God. His amon was prevailing in his life. There was a continuation of this faith, an ongoing trust, and acting out. True faith will prove itself through practical action. That's what we see occurring in this great walk of faith that Abraham and Isaac Step-by-step, step, obedient response after obedient response, Abraham proved that he continually trusted in, relied upon, was loyal to, and faithful toward all that God laid before him. He truly functioned faith forward. The problem The problem that we face is that many times we lean upon ourselves rather than trusting in God. As we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac today, would you place yourself in the story? Maybe you place yourself as Abraham in that three-day journey. You're having this conversation with God. Maybe you're placing yourself in the role of Isaac. Your father has just tied you up and laid you up on top of the wood for the sacrifice, and he's got a knife in hand ready to sacrifice you. I believe that God wants to speak into our hearts and our lives 
today. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been tested in your life? Now, I'm not asking you, have you ever been tempted to sin? No, 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 no. What I'm asking you, has you ever faced a difficult situation that tested your faith? How'd you respond? See, I want to look at four responses today to these difficult moments, these tests of our faith. Number one is this. God's desired outcome begins with our willingness to listen. See, when we're facing these difficult moments in life, when we're facing these obstacles in life, when we're confronted with this situation that really tests our faith, God's desired outcome begins with you and I saying, yes, Lord, I'm listening to you. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here am I. One translation says it this way. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. And I wonder today, are you really listening to God? Are you really taking the time to allow the words of God to speak into your life all while having an intent to follow? I'm not asking you, do you have the recognition of audible sounds that are floating through the atmosphere perceiving that noise is occurring? I'm not asking that. I'm asking, are you listening with the intent to respond? I believe that's where Abraham was. God calls out to him and he says, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Are you willing to listen to God in the good times and in the bad times? Or are you only interested in listening to him when it's comfortable and when it's easy? I love the words of Job in Job chapter 2. Man, Job had lost it all. Friends were turning against him. His wife tells him to curse God and die. And he makes this statement, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad now we'll discuss this story of job in just a few months as we look at his life but there are going to be moments there are going to be trials in your life that simply do not make sense have you been there before there's going to be things that god asks you to do that that just doesn't add up it doesn't make logical since. So the question that begs to be asked is this, are you willing to really listen or will you simply turn a deaf ear to God? In Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham at a place of obedience to God even when he didn't know where, where when, how, or even why. He didn't have all the answers, but all he says is, here I am, Lord, I am listening to you. Again, theologian Warren Wearsby says it this way, when God sends a trial to us, our first response is usually, why, Lord? And then, why me? 
right away we want God to give us explanation. Of course, we know that God has reasons for sending tests, perhaps to purify our faith or perfect our character or even protect us from sin, but we fail to see how these things apply to us. The fact that we ask our Father for explanation suggests that we may not know ourselves as we should or God as we should. So how do we come to the place of truly knowing more and more about God? Now, I know this is going to sound obvious and pretty simple, but it's the truth. We spend time with him. And what I mean by spending time with him is more than just an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. We spend regular time having conversation with God. But pastor, I don't know how to pray. Certainly you do. You know how to talk, right? You know how to communicate with people, right? It's the same thing with God. God simply wants to know your heart's concerns. He simply wants to know your desires, your fears, the good moments of life, the struggles of life. God just wants to have conversation with you. And there doesn't need to be some big formal thee and thou moment between you and God. In fact, one of my favorite prayers came from a young teenager at the prior church that I was at. And I loved it because every time that she would have a conversation with God or she would open up a service in prayer, she would do this. Hey God, it's Susie. Loved that. She was just taking the time to be real with God. If you want to know more about God, guess what? Just spend time with him. But he doesn't want you to do all the talking. There's going to be moments you've got to be still and know that he's God. There's going to be moments you just got to be quiet for a moment and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Here I am. I'm listening. And then allow God to begin to speak into your life what he has in, in store for you. See, we got to spend time with our creator. We got to spend time with our savior. We got to spend time with the one that gave everything for us. Romans chapter 10 says it this way. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I am hearing. I'm perceiving not just audible sounds, but I have the intent to follow after you and hearing that faith comes from the very word of God, spending time dissecting his word, allowing it to become alive in our lives. I wonder, are you taking that kind of time? Not just recognizing audible sound, but allowing the voice of God, the word of God, to penetrate to the very core of your existence. Our second response is this. God-desired outcome requires immediate obedience. That can be hard sometimes. Because what happens? God gives instruction. God guides us in something. But it's easier for us to buy some time. Let me just push back for a moment. Let me, let me hesitate just for a minute. Let me see if I can figure out another plan, or maybe God will change his mind. Right? Look what it says. Genesis 22, 3. 
The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. So look at this. God speaks to Abraham. Abraham! Yes, Lord, I'm listening. God begins to give him instruction. And the Bible says the next morning he got up early. Now, some of us would have been happy enough if he said the next morning, right? But from the very beginning of daybreak, Abraham's like, I've got to follow the command of God. I've got to do what God has spoken into my life. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't wrap my brain around it. My heart is broken. There's anguish inside of me, but I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to believe in God, and I'm going to allow my faith to be performed in action, continuously trusting after him. He stepped out in obedience instantly no hesitation total obedience to god but here's the problem in the book extravagant by pastor brian jarrett he makes this statement the only time most of us really know what it means to trust god is when we run out of other options well i guess all we can do now is pray why have we said that before I don't have any other options. I don't know what else to do. I guess i got to believe God. I don't know. What would happen if you would simply trust God even when there were other options? Abraham had other options. He could have had a negotiation moment with God. Hey, God, rather than Isaac, what if I gave you two sheep? Three sheep. Three sheep and a chicken. Three sheep, a chicken, and a turkey. Right? We're guilty of that, aren't we? We negotiate with God. God, I've got a really good plan. Man, my son Isaac, I mean, he's not the perfect sacrifice. You've seen that boy. His room is a mess. Come on now. Let me give you a perfect sacrifice. Come on. What would happen if we would trust God even when we had other options? He lays it in our heart to accomplish a task, and he's called us to total surrender. Pastor Mark Batterson says it this way, if you want to see God move, make a move. Someone else once said it this way, if you want to know what God wants you to do, see what he's doing, then do that. What is God speaking into your life today? And are you willing to make that move? See, anything less than immediate obedience is disobedience. I've said that time and time before, but I want you to grab a hold of that. Anything less than immediate obedience is is disobedience delayed obedience is not true obedience in order for us to receive our next step from God we've got to be willing to be faithful to take the step that he's already given us he says to Abraham I want you to take your son I want you to go to Mount Moriah and there I want you to sacrifice him to me 
Immediately the next morning, right off the bat, early to rise, he gets up, he grabs his servants, he grabs his son, and they began on this pursuit of obedience. So let me ask you, what is God calling you to do in your life? And you've been hesitant to respond. Perhaps it's challenged your faith. Perhaps it's caused you to want to negotiate with God. What test has he placed in front of you, but for some reason or another, you've put it on the back burner for another day and another time? I challenge you today, you may not have all the details, but would you trust God? Would you give him your immediate obedience? The third response is this. God's desired outcome requires personal dedication. It requires personal dedication. Look what Abraham did in verse 3 and 4. Then he, Abraham, chopped wood for the fire for the burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. What I see here is response with action. Amon. He believed God. He was acting in continual faith. Abraham didn't just go on a short donkey ride. He took the needed action. He made the preparation. He cut the wood. He had the fire. He had the knife. He brought his servants. He had his son. He gathered it all. He traveled 50 to 60 miles to Mount Moriah, approximately three days' journey. Step after step in obedience in dedication, in trust, in reliance upon God. If we will do the natural, God will do the supernatural. Come on, wrap yourself around that. If you'll be obedient in the moment to do the natural, God will step in and do the supernatural. If we will do the ordinary, God will step in and accomplish the extraordinary. If we will do what seems possible, God will do the impossible. None of this made a bit of sense in Abraham's mind. Even Isaac said, Dad, we have the fire, we have the wood. I'm not understanding how are we going to do this sacrifice. What did Abraham say? God will provide. Abraham said, I'm willing to do the natural. I'm willing to do the ordinary. I'm willing to do what's possible because I believe, I know that I know that I know that I know that my God will step in and do the supernatural. My God will do the extraordinary. My God will do what only he can do, the impossible. Because nothing is impossible for God. He said, Lord, you've done it before. Would you do it again? 
God, take my little and make much. Lord, do what only you can do. Look at our fourth response. God's desired outcome requires confidence and trust in him. Come on, let's look at these. Number one, God's desired outcome begins with our willingness to listen. Number two, God's desired outcome requires immediate obedience. Number three, God's desired outcome requires personal dedication. And number four, God's desired outcome requires confidence and trust in him. The Bible says for us to trust in the Lord with not part of our heart, not a little bit of our heart, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then he goes on to say, don't lean on your own understanding. What would have happened if Abraham and or Isaac would have leaned on their own understanding? The blessing may never have come. Abraham had to trust that God would either provide the lamb, provide the sacrifice, or raise his son Isaac from the dead. Either way, he looks at the servants and says, you all stay here. We're going to go a little further. We're going to worship God and we're going to return. One way or another, God's going to step in. I have trust in him. I have belief in him. Continual obedience in response to that level of expectancy from God. God will provide. I believe that God wants to provide so much more in your life and in my life. But we've got to be willing to give him everything. Come on, if you're watching online today, would you just put in the chat, give God everything. What's holding you back today? What is it that God's asking you to sacrifice? What is it that God's asking you to give up? But for some reason or another, you're pushing back on this. Verse 5 through 8 says this, stay here, Abraham says, with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little further. We'll worship there and then we'll come right back. Abraham placed the wood and the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. Come on, put yourself in their place today. Dad, we have the wood. Dad, I've been carrying it. We had the fire. You've got it in your hands. But where's the sacrifice? I love Abraham's response. God will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. Literally means he's God, our provider. Again, in the book, Extravagant by Brian Jarrett, he says this, He, God, is looking for people who will believe him enough to give him an opportunity to reveal himself in power and in love. Where does God supply the answer? I believe it's in the place of assignment. 
Come on, where does, he, where does he provide the answer? It's in the place of assignment where he calls us to go. If we want to be right where God is, we need to go where God tells us to go. When does God provide the answer? When the answer is needed. I don't know about you, but I want the answer now. <laughs> Come on, anybody else? We're such a microwave society. Instantaneous. God, I want it now. 30 seconds or less. Come on, God. God says, no, my timing's perfect. I'm going to give you the answer when the answer is needed. To whom does God provide the answer? To those that trust and obey him. Faith does not demand explanation. Faith rests on promises. So here's the great thing about God's promise. He'll always come through. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says it this way. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. And through Christ, we say yes to the glory of God. The answer to every promise in his word is based upon what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. The sacrifice that he made for our lives. Question is, are you willing to say yes to God? In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the uncertainty, I will guarantee you this, God will always be there. Again, in the book Extravagant, Brian says this, the problem is that we keep trying to do what only God can do. We forget our part in the process. We may say we're trusting God with a burden, but too often we're just worrying, right? We carry our concern to the altar like it's a, a sack of potatoes, and we tell God, God, it's all yours. You take it. You work a miracle, Lord. But when we get up, we put the sack over our shoulder. We take it home with us, and our anxiety multiplies. God won't work the miracle because we won't let go of the problem. Let me say that again. Some of you need to let that sink in. Some of you need to nudge the person next to you and wake them up today. God won't do the miracle. God won't work the miracle because we won't let go of the problem. See, if, we, if he were to work supernaturally before we trust him with our need, we'd somehow think that we're doing it. And we'd become arrogant. But God is immensely patient. He'll wait until we are humble enough to trust him to do what only he can do and identify our small part in the process. You see, God cannot work in your life and in my life until we get out of the way. Come on, let me say that again. God can't work in our lives until we get out of the way. Lord, I'm giving that to you. God, I've been carrying that load around for 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 45 years. I've been carrying that around. It's not mine to deal with anymore. Abraham said, you guys stay here. The boy and I are going to go a little further. We're going to worship. 
We'll be right back. I love, I love how all of this wraps up in the end. It says, Abraham placed Isaac on the sacrifice. He laid him over the wood for the, for the burnt offering. And then he draws the knife. I can just sense the struggle in his heart. No doubt tears streaming down his face. Lord, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, this is the promise you gave me, but I trust you. The Bible says that at that moment, it wasn't when he decided to walk the distance with Isaac. It wasn't at the moment that they placed the wood on the altar. It wasn't at the moment that he tied his boy up and laid him on top. It wasn't at the moment when he placed his hand on the knife, but as he drew the knife, ready to perform the sacrifice, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up. There was a, a ram caught by the horns in the thicket, in the thorns. So he took the ram and he sacrificed the ram in place of his son. The Bible says that Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. There are some of you in the room today you're on that three-day journey. God has asked you to do what seems impossible. You struggle to wrap yourself around it. Some of you may even be at the place where the, you're beginning to draw the knife for the sacrifice. I wonder today, Would you put your trust in God? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He holds the answer in his hand. And all that he asks of you and all that he asks of me is that we will Take that step of trust. That step of obedience. That step of belief. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But the boy and I, we're going to travel a little further. We're going to worship you. And Lord, together we're going to return. We're heading home.
Lord, I trust you. Do you trust him today? Do you trust that God will provide? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you. 